Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. It is so good to see you guys. Uh, We are kicking off a collection of talks called Secret Sauce. Secret Sauce. And how many of you know there is a secret sauce at Chick-fil-A? How many know? It's on the menu. How many know La Victoria is below-grade Mexican food, but they got a secret sauce? Come on. And I'm telling you, this church, not just the lower C church, the upper case, has a secret sauce. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. And we're actually going to give out empty hot sauce bottles next week, branded, that you need four things that this are the ingredients. Number one is salvation. Number two is water baptism. Number three is spirit baptism. And number four is tongues. And we're going to talk about those things over the next four weeks. And to kick off this collection of talks, I brought in a friend who's way more anointed than me. Come on. It doesn't take much to, be, to say that, though. He pastors an amazing church called The Well in Utah, the home of the Mormons. But he's... He's shaking that place, man. He's got 1,800 people shaking in an unchurched region. So in a bold, can we honor? Honor is not about the person. It's about us. It's a reflection of who we are. We give honor even if we don't think they deserve it. Can we give him honor tonight? Pastor Jason Parrish, come on. Come on. Let me quickly pray for him. And uh, we shall begin. Thank you, Jesus, for this man. Pray, Jesus, that you would use him to speak to us. God, we come with an open heart. God, we come wanting to receive from you, Jesus. Would you impart something about your character, God? About something that's available to us. May we worship you in spirit and in truth. Would you use Pastor Jason to transform our church? And everybody said, Amen. Thanks, bud. Love you guys. Hey, why don't you stay up here, my man, just for a few more minutes. You guys good tonight? No, we got more than that. You guys good tonight? Yeah? Anybody excited to be in church? Okay, now listen, um, we are not a Mormon church in Utah, just to be very clear. I just want to put that out there. We're reaching people, but we are not. Um, But it is so good to be with you tonight, Bold Church. There is not another place that I would rather be uh, than with these amazing friends of mine, your pastors. And I just want to take a second uh, because I think honor needs to be given where honor is due. And there's a lot of things behind the scenes that you don't see from these guys. The, The tears and the prayers and the hustle and the work and the labor that so many times goes unnoticed. And I just want to make sure that we can give honor where honor is due. So would you do me a massive favor? Come on, can we just put our hands together. Can we just let the neighborhood know that these guys are honored in this house today? Come on. Do you love your pastors? I'm thankful for you guys. Love you guys very much. And uh, what is being built here is absolutely stunning. Um, As I was worshiping, and uh, this is why I'm going to keep the piano up here, because we know that the Spirit of the Lord is where there's piano. So that's why he's got to stay. Or the bass, 808. Come on, somebody. That's, that's when the glory shows up. And so, um, but I, I was just praying just during worship, and I felt like God just, um, 
just press upon my heart something to say to you guys and declare over you and encourage you with tonight. Uh, the Bible says this, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And small beginnings is not just a, it's, it's not a size thing. Um, it can be so much more than that. It could be a mentality thing. It could be a thinking thing. It could be a faith thing. And uh, I, I remember when we first planted our church in Salt Lake City, Utah, um, I would stand outside the doors of the junior high school that we launched in just praying that people would come, right? And, uh, and every single person that would then begin to walk up the sidewalk, I'd get so excited about Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, and, I, and the first day that we launched, we launched in 22 degree weather with eight inches of snow on the ground. And it was awesome, right? You guys don't have that problem here. But I remember standing outside and waiting for every single person to come and they would walk and I'd get so joy filled and I'd get so excited. And what, what I love about this is that moments like this that you guys are in right now, uh, what, a, what a massive moment that you guys, and it, it may sound like, oh, it's a time change and a building change. No, it's not. It's a time change. It's in an open door that you've been praying for for years, petitioning God for for years. And now all of a sudden in a moment just as this, God shows up, opens the door. It is not by happen stance. Come on, somebody. That doesn't happen on accident. It doesn't happen because it's random. It doesn't happen because your pastors are good looking. Like it doesn't happen because of those things. Although, but come on, somebody it happens because God is faithful. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got a reason. He's got a rhyme and he's got it for bold church. So I just want to encourage you and declare over you. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Do not give up. Keep your heads faced forward. Keep your eyes on the spirit of the Lord. Keep on declaring his praises and his goodness to your neighborhood and to your city. And I'm believing over this church that God is going to do something significant and mighty in your midst. Come on, can we get an amen tonight? So with that being the case, I want to Take us to our Bibles tonight, Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I did not realize I was kicking off your Holy Spirit series. So that's awesome. Um, Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 to 7 says this, and uh, I want to just give you, if you can, uh, I'm going to do what I do at my church and just kind of let you guys know where we're going to go tonight. I'm going to spend the first little while building some context, some backdrop, some storyline. And then uh, we're going to begin to land the plane with some just uber practical realities about the Holy Spirit in our lives. So I need you to lean in. I need you to stay with me. I heard this is a church that preaches back at the preacher. So if you need, if you need a few, holla at your boy is really good. Uh, the one I'm trying to get my church to really lean into right now is sheesh. Like if you just need it, like say it, it's fine. It's fine. I've got a few. You got to have some soul in you to get after that one. But Zechariah chapter four, verses one to seven says this, the angel who was speaking with me then returned and roused me as one awakened out of sleep. You ever been there before? You're just all of a sudden and everything, like everything's firing, all cylinders are firing, all your senses are going off. He says, what do you see? And I replied, I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top. The lampstand also had seven lamps at the top with seven spouts for each of the lamps. There are also two olive trees beside it. One on the right of the bowl and the other is on the left. And then I asked the angel who was speaking with me, what are these, my Lord? Don't you know what they are? Replied the angel who was speaking with me. I said, no. So he answered me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by strength. This is what I want to hear. This is what I want you to hear tonight. We're, going to get, we're not going to get into the bowls and the lamps and all, all those things. This is what I want you to hear though. Not by strength or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of armies. What are you, great mountain? You will become a plain, 
and he will bring out of the capstone accompanied by shouts of grace and grace to it. Tonight, I want to speak to you from the subject as we open up this brand new collection of talks. I want to speak to you from this subject right here. If you're taking notes tonight or you're on your phone or you got a, a feather quill and papyrus, bring it back, bring it back. You write this down as the title tonight. I want to speak to you from this subject, supply and demand. Supply and demand. As we look at the Holy Spirit's work and power in our lives. Will you pray with me just one more time this evening? As we dig into God's word, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive and it's active, it's powerful, it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so God, right now we know that at the declaration of your word, it brings truth and your word says that where truth is applied, it sets us free. And then your word says that we're, we are finding freedom in, in and through your spirit. That's where the greatest freedom is at because who the, who the spirit sets free is free indeed. Who the son sets free is free indeed. And so, God, I pray that you would speak through me tonight. Move me out of the way. They, none of us need my words. They need your words, God. So anything that would stand in the way, would you remove it right now, Father? Would my, would my eyes, my ears, my mind, and my heart, and my mouth be pure before you tonight? God, we acknowledge that you are in this room where two or three are gathered. You are in our midst. You are so good. You are so mighty. And so, God, we come to your word tonight with honor, with expectation, with faith. And God, I stand here trembling to be able to yield your word tonight. God, I thank you. I thank you for your word because it sets us free. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody. Shouted. Amen. Amen. Thanks, bro. Um, does anybody like to vacation? Show of hands. Vacationers. Where, where are my vacationers at? Okay. So, yeah, you, you my people. Um, my wife and I, we love, we're not a stuff and things family. We're more of an experience family. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. And so, like, we have stuff and things. But if, if we're going to spend our money on something, it's, it's vacation. So um, we stack up all of our vacation time every single year. We're getting ready to leave in July. So me and my wife and my family, um, we, and all, like all my kiddos, uh, we only have three. So we've only been in Utah for a little while. Um, some of you will get that joke. But anyways, um, we, uh, we take all of our kids and, uh, and well, we take all of our kids like we leave some occasionally. Um, we take, if you haven't figured it out, I'm going to goof off a lot tonight. So, um, but we, we pack everybody, we take the entire month of July off and we, that's our four weeks of vacation. We pack it all into one and we, and we go. So this year we're doing the, the, we've never done this before. We're heading to Disney World and, uh, we're in Florida in July. That was a bad decision, but... Um, all the same, we love vacation. But I remember just before, just before we all went into lockdown and COVID, uh, my wife and I, we took a delayed, uh, a delayed anniversary vacation. We were celebrating 15 years uh, of marriage. We've now been married 17. So um, we've known each other for the, uh, we met in fifth grade. I know. She couldn't keep her eyes off me. It was wild. So um, <laughs> And so we, uh, so we've been married. We've known each other for a really long time. Been married seventeen years. So we took our fifteen year in Saint Lucia, and it was it was absolutely gorgeous. It was all inclusive resort. Just like it was incredible. And uh, there's one there's one aspect to this vacation that I enjoyed probably more than I should have, and that was the endless supply of food and coffee. Come on, somebody. So here's the deal. Um, you go just like eat. You come back and sleep, then you go back and eat. 
and you do all of that on the beach. That was like, that was multiple days of our vacation. You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, and so I, I, like, I came back 30 pounds heavier and uh, so much happier, but I was amazed. It was like every, every corner that we turned, it was like, hey, do you want something to drink? Do you want something to eat? Do you want this? We'll bring it. Like, it was just this whole, it was an endless supply of everything, and, and there was demand for it, right? Everybody just walked around eating. Like, that's all they did. It's just on the beach, they're eating. On the sidewalk, they're eating. Like, in the room, they're eating. And so all this stuff is going on, and I was just blown away. I remember sitting back and thinking about this. I was like, man, they just, they will not stop with this. They keep on bringing us. At one point, I was like, sir, you need to cease and desist, like, right now, uh, because I'm in pain. And so, but this is the idea that we need to keep at the forefront of our minds tonight as we, as we just read and, have, and, have, and are working through this piece of scripture tonight. Because at the reading of this scripture, it can be a bit daunting with all the stuff that's, that's in there, but what we must not miss, and what I wanna focus on today is, is this truth right here, is that the Holy Spirit is an endless supply of what it is that you and I need for everyday life. He is an endless supply, but here's the caveat, as long as there's a demand. Y'all with me? As long as, as long as there is a demand. So God gives a message to Zechariah to pass on to Zerubbabel to encourage him and let him know that the power necessary and needed to accomplish everything in front of him was not going to be a power or strength found in and of himself. Rather, the power necessary was only found in and through the infilling and dwelling of the Spirit of God in him, the Holy Spirit. The power needed would only come from a greater source and supply of power. The supply is there. The question is, is, is there a demand? So Zerubbabel's temptation would be like the temptation that we face on the daily to do this life. And it's to do it in our own strength. Come on, somebody. That's the temptation that we're all facing right now is to, to get up every single day and to be like, I got this. I've got the power. Someone wrote a song about that. <laughs> right? Come on, we're all, we're all tempted in, in this direction. I'm tempted, and, and like, I'm gonna preach this to you tonight. And I know these truths, but I am tempted to get up tomorrow morning, go back to Salt Lake City, and try to build our church, and try to build our team, and try to build my family all in my own power. Yeah. Tempted to go to our workplace and do it in our own strength. We're tempted to do our marriages in our own strength. We're tempted to do our parenting in our own strength. We're tempted to do our finances in our own strength. We're tempted to reach this city in our, come on, anybody with me? So we've got to pay attention. Am I operating in my own strength or is there a demand in my life, a reliance in my life that says Jason needs to now put all of that away and rely on the supply of the spirit of God in my life? So this passage presents to us three important words that we need to understand. The first word that, that we're given is the word might. And in the Hebrew, it means this. It's military strength and human prowess. So first, Zechariah says it's not by might. In other words, it's not by military strength and human prowess. Come on, somebody. And that's for one section of where we see our world pushing into to do it by our might. 
So it's interesting that he's going to speak to the human reality that we all face in different sectors of society and all the things that are going on in the world right now. He actually tackles it. The writer says, it's not by might. It's not by military strength and human prowess. And then he says this, it's not by power. And the word that's used in Hebrew is strength of the load carriers. In other words, it's not by these external things that that people believe that they need in, in order to carry the load of life. And then he uses this, but then he says, but it's by the Spirit. Now, the Hebrew word here is ruha, breath of the Lord. And it's the same. He's acknowledging that this breath was used at the working of creation, and it opened and closed the Red Sea. So he says it's not by military strength and human prowess. It's not by the strength of load carriers. I need you to know that the life that you've been called to live, the things that you've been called to build, it is by the breath of the Lord that worked in creation, opened and closed the Red Sea. I don't know about you, but I need that in my life. I need that in my marriage. I need that in every aspect of who I'm becoming. I don't need power. I don't need might. I need the breath of God. God to breathe on it, to open it up, and to shut it down when it needs to be shut down. So he says these things to encourage Zerubbabel. These words are important for us to understand because they create the backdrop necessary for understanding the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives, who he is and what the Holy Spirit supplies in our lives. See, so many of us in here today have been white-knuckling life for far too long trying to get by in our own right, trying to do it all in our own power, our own will, our own intellect, our own resource, our own ability. And at the end of it all, realizing that these things have been tried and found wanting. You ever gotten there before? You ever woke up one day and realized, I'm at the end of myself? You ever woke up and realized that you're not as good I'm not, as we think we are? We as humans, like, we, we have this distinct ability to think of ourselves a whole lot better than what we actually are. And it's interesting because a lot of us lean our lives on that. We lean our lives on us. And I'm just here to suggest tonight, I want to submit to you tonight, bold church, that the greatest aspect of your life is never going to be found in how you can do it or what you can do. It's not in here and it's not... Uh, it's not in your human strength and faculties and capacity. It's found by way of the Spirit of God. Oh, we can build stuff for sure in our own human outright. But have you noticed every time we do it, it falls down? See, the truth is that we have a power supply like no other and that we do not have to walk out this journey of life and faith from our own strength. Rather, the Spirit of God gives it to us. He gives us the power that we need, the power that enables us to live above the status quo, to avoid average, and to, to be a type of person that doesn't settle for normal. Can I just suggest to you that when you became a Christ follower, normal went out of the building? I'm going to say that one more time. When you became a Christ follower, normal left the building. Okay? We have got to stop trying to be normal. I think one of the greatest ways that we actually reject the work of the Spirit in us is trying to strive for normal. I just want to fit in. I just want to, I want to fit into this. You haven't been called to fit in. You haven't been called to look the same. And I know that's crazy right now because it's like, well, how do we influence people? Guess what? Non-normal things get attention. 
Y'all see what I'm talking about? And so at the end of the day, we haven't been called to settle for normal. We haven't been called to settle for status quo. We've been equipped and built out by way of the work of the Spirit to actually have more going on in life. See, many of us have settled for living a normal life when we've been called and equipped for a supernatural life. Theologian Charles Spurgeon put it like this. He said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without wind or chariots without steeds, like branches without sap. We are withered like coals without fire. We are useless. Paul the Apostle would write it like this in Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. He said, you, however, not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through the Spirit who lives in you. See, we try to build these lives that we hope work out. You ever been there before? You ever said that? Hope works out. Lives built on shifting sands and ever-changing realities where truth seems to be relative, cynicism is our perspective, and hopelessness prevails. So we try to build and keep building only to be met with exhaustion and frustration and weariness and hopelessness, which then forces us to try again and again and again, thus developing the debilitating and devastating cycle in our lives. Therapists would call it this, maintaining processes. There's something built inside of us that continues to operate in what they call maintaining uh, processes. We trick ourselves into believing that maybe just one more time. I can make it happen just one more time. If, if, if If I get with her or get with him just one more time, if I engage in this just one more time, maybe if I, if I, if I, just, if I hang in there in, in a relationship that I shouldn't be in for that long, just one more, y'all see what I'm talking about? And so if we keep it, we, we actually fall into a maintaining process and we begin to maintain the very thing that Christ set us free from. It's a loop in our lives. And this, in fact, is such a demoralizing way to live when we've been called to a, a life in Christ by way of his spirit, meant to be a life of freedom and hope. Paul addresses this issue by declaring that the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave lives and dwells inside of us. Y'all with me tonight? See, as we put our faith, our trust, and our hope in the Lordship of Christ, we experience and receive a a power supply like no other. You gotta plug it in. You gotta plug it in. You ever asked that question before? You're like, it's not working. And someone so genius goes, have you checked the power? That's the point. See, many of us are like, it's not working. It's like, but there's no demand right now for the power source that's available to you. And so we're running around in circles. It's not working. It's not working. It's like, I'm here to declare to you, stop and check the power source. Are you connected to the power source? Are you allowing the spirit of God to be activated and work inside of your life? As we put our faith, our trust, and hope in the Lordship of Christ, we experience and receive a power supply like no other. Our future, your future, my future, is not dependent upon what we can build in our own power or produce in our outright. But rather, our future is dependent upon that which is built by the Spirit of God. This is what we read in Acts chapter 5, verses 38 and 39. 
And uh, I actually think that this is very prophetic for your guys' church in this moment. As I was reading my notes, I, I just want to declare this over you in the context of our message tonight, but hear this for this church as well. You two, hear this for your church tonight. Acts chapter 5, 38 through 39. So in this present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and women and leave them alone. For if this plan or work is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. That's the difference between building in your outright and being supplied by the Spirit of God. That's where then things like if God be for me, nothing can be against me. But if it's just me, all kinds of things can be against me. And I don't have the power, I don't have the ability, I don't have the, I don't have the smarts, trust me, to do it on my own. Knucklehead at best. Come on, somebody, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? I got a lot of deficiencies. I got a lot of things that don't make sense. But at the end of the day, I stand up in places and spaces, I look at what God is building in Salt Lake City, and I realize this is definitely not Jason. This is, this is God. And so then what we get to do is we get to stand back. We don't have pressure. Why? Because it's not ours. It's the Spirit of God moving. Bull Church, y'all with me tonight? Okay, so what I want to do is that's the, that's the backdrop, the context that I want to I set up. Now let's get super practical because I'm a very practical person. I'm very systems-oriented in this way. So I now want to line out for us three truths that we need to grab a hold of uh, when it comes to understanding how the Spirit of God works in our, in our lives and what he supplies us with. Does that make sense? So now we're going to get super practical. Because you're like, oh, that's great. I want that. I want that power source. I want the Spirit of God working in me. But like, what does that look like? What, what does that mean? How do we flesh this thing out? Three truths that you need to grab a hold of tonight. Everybody shout number one. Whoa. Let's try this one more time. Come on, everybody shout number one. Thank you. I always get my church to shout number one so they realize we're on point one. Okay? So... Here's the first thing I want you to grab. Don't worry, two and three are coming, okay? So just prepare yourself by the Spirit of the Lord. <laughs> three truths we need to grab a hold of. First one is this. We are supplied with a help like no other. This is what the Holy Spirit does. We are supplied with a help like no other. John chapter 14, verses 15 to 17 says this. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. So helper is the Greek word parakleton, which comes from two words, alongside and called. So we get to put it together this way, is that the Holy Spirit is one called alongside to help. My four-year-old daughter, this is where she's at. Everything is help, daddy, help, mommy. That's what she, that's what she yelled. Help! Like, what's wrong? Nothing. Just help, right? She's like, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And we're trying to teach her, like, hey, like, you, you can. And we're kind of reversing the polarity on this one. We're like, you can do this on your own. She's like, I don't want to. I want your help. Some of us can actually learn from that. Because many of us wander through life trying to do it on our own, and we got to stop for just a second and go, God, I need your help with this. I need your help with this, this thing that I'm trying to do. I need your help with this relationship. I need your help with this addiction. I need your help with this way of thinking. I need your help with where I'm serving. I need your help. I don't want to do it in my outright. I want to do it in your power supply. 
And so he's your, there's another application of this Greek word, though, and I love it, parakletos, one who acts on another's behalf as a helper. And there's a legal terminology that's connected to it as a legal advocate, advisor, or intermediary. So in other words, the Holy Spirit is constantly advocating for you on your behalf. And sometimes he's advocating for you on your behalf to you, to remind you that you are no longer who you used to be. You are who he has made you by way of his spirit and freedom. Y'all see what I'm talking about? Because sometimes you need to look in the mirror and realize that you are not who you used to be. But some of us keep going back to that, don't we? And so the Holy Spirit is advocating on your behalf to you to stop you about thinking about you the way that you used to be. I cannot say that again, so just get it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You ever looked in the mirror and you started, like, you started like talking yourself back into how you used to be or where you used to be, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God like switches things and you like, realize, like, wait a second, I am not who I used to be. I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not the person that thinks that way anymore. I'm not the person that talks that way anymore. And it's the Holy Spirit advocating on your behalf to you because you can be your greatest destroyer. one who acts on another's behalf. Now I want to read you something out of a commentary concerning the book of John. And I quote, he says this, he is referred to as the parakletos, one who is present. This word can have several nuances depending on the context. In situations where there is accusation, he defends. Where there is perplexity, he offers counsel. Where there is adversity, he offers comfort. The Johannian Christians found themselves in need of all these forms of help. And they are provided by the parakletos, defense, counsel, comfort. Can I just declare over you tonight that the Holy Spirit is your defense, he is your counsel, and he is your comfort. Come on, can we get an amen in church tonight? I don't know how much time I have left. Are we good? Hour and 15? Sweet, let's do it. Come on. <laughs> yes, it's so good. We have a helper, an advocate, one who comes alongside of us to, to supply us with every, everything needed to. Write this down tonight if you're taking notes. He gives you everything you need to persevere. Come on, how many of you have been tricked into believing at times that when we talk about perseverance, especially from Scripture, that perseverance is based upon your own willpower? Amen. Have you been there before? Yeah. You just got to like, oh, I just got to bear down and get this done. So then we think the holiest of people are these people that have like, I've oh, got it all together and so on and so forth. No. It's not where it comes from. You will end at a certain point. It's not by your willpower. He supplies you with everything you need. So he comes through in defense. He comes through through counsel. He comes through through comfort. Can I just say this tonight? I felt led to say this. Um, declaration is a spiritual defense. It's not Christian weirdness. So when your pastors stand up here and they're declaring things over you, your worship leaders are declaring things over you, like it's not just like things that Christians do. Declaration is a spiritual defense. Sometimes you have no other option but just to shout scripture. Come on, you have no other option but to shout praise. Declarations. It's spiritual defense. Every night when we put our kids to bed, we pray over them. My son's on this trip with me. Little man over here named Justice with super cool hair. Um, so I'm balding. That's why I think that. Um, but 
we pray over our kids, and now if there's evenings, which there is, we don't do this like in perpetuity, it's not, it's not perfect, but there's times where like, you're going to say goodnight to us up here, this is mom and dad time, y'all need to leave, okay? But what they come up every single night, they come to us, are you guys coming down? So now I have children in my house that actually want us to put them to bed, which I'm proud of that, okay? And so what we do when we go put them to bed is we, we put all of them in their, in their bedrooms, in their bed, and then we walk in there and we, we pray over them, we declare over them. I'm not, like, I'm not in there shouting things over him because I'd get wild now, but like we are praying for them and, and we put our hand on them and, and, I, and, and we pray most nights, God, I pray that you would protect their mind and protect their heart, that you would give them good dreams. What am I doing? I'm declaring. And I'm saying that in their sleep where they have no willpower exercising whatsoever, the enemy would love to come and steal, kill and destroy. So who am I advocating for? I'm advocating for him on behalf of his father, to the Holy Spirit, protect this kiddo right now. Protect his mind. Protect his heart. Protect his dreams. And guess what you can do at night? Maybe you don't have a parent doing that. You lay your hands on your face and you pray the same thing. Come on. Just God, protect my mind. Protect my dreams tonight. Protect my heart tonight. God, would you just saturate me in your grace and your presence tonight? Yes. I woke up one evening because I'd fallen asleep earlier. We were just laying in bed. I found my wife praying over my balding. She was like, Lord, in Jesus' name. <laughs> and I literally, I turned to her. I was like, the Lord will not answer those prayers. So <laughs> the Holy Spirit does not care about that. That's vanity, babe. It's vanity. <laughs> Defense counsel comfort. But here's the truth we must grapple with today, if I can challenge you for a second. You can't have what you actively reject. See, for many of us, we are trying to be spirit-led while we are self-fed. We're living, acting, thinking, and behaving according to our flesh. When we do this, we're actively rejecting the help that is supplied by the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through to 26 says, says this. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit. i got to move faster. And the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you do not do what you do want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh. Now he's going he's gonna to dial it out for us. He's going to, hey, just so you know, this is what the flesh looks like, all right? Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. And then if that wasn't enough, just so we can get everybody, he says, and anything similar. <laughs> I am warning you about these things as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And the law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And it's interesting that he says, don't let us become conceited, because conceit is what you are when you are doing it yourself. So he says this fruit is not by willpower. It's not by your ability. It's by the Spirit of God. Y'all with me tonight? Number two. The second truth that we need to grab a hold of. Come on, everybody shout number two. There we go. We are supplied with a strength like no other. 
Big portions of scripture, Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 through 11. Paul the Apostle writing, he says, For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence, here it is, in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. That's a pretty bold statement right there. Paul's saying, I'm awesome. That's what he's saying. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. So he's saying, by way of ethnicity, by way of cultural backdrop, by way of my performance, I am structurally perfect. That's what Paul the Apostle is saying. But everything that was gained to me I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. And more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung. That word dung to you and I is not that strong, but that would be like me standing up here and using an expletive that I will not use on this stage. So that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. And my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. See, the strength is not the strength that we find in ourselves naturally. It's a supernatural strength. It is a strength that is not found, as Paul would put it, in my confidence associated with my flesh. It is a strength that is authored by and produced in and through the Spirit of God. In these verses, Paul does a sort of compare and contrast between what it looks like to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit or to put his confidence in himself. While he has things that we all do to be confident about, when they are measured against the power and the presence of Jesus in our lives, they add up to nothing. Like Paul, we can count them as loss. You have the largest bank account on the planet, nothing. You can have the greatest education on the planet, nothing. You have the greatest looks on the planet, nothing. You have all the followers on Instagram, nothing. You can stand on stages and lead worship and preach, nothing. You can write books and Go into the medical field. You can do all the things. Nothing is ours. It is all dung. If you got anything from church tonight, just write that down. It's all dung. John Owen, in his work and discourse concerning the Holy Spirit, says this, Without him, all was a dead sea, a rude informed chaos a confused heap covered with darkness, but by the moving of the Spirit of God upon it, he communicated a quickening, prolific virtue. Now, what beautiful, we don't talk like that anymore. We should. And what he's saying is that when God is a part of our life, when the Spirit is moving, hovering, working within us, this dark chaos that often exists, this thing that seems out of control, our flesh, our humanity, is subdued, and we live by a new nature, and that is our spirit nature. And that, my friends, is where we find true life. 
as I am no longer living according to my old nature, but I'm living according to a new nature that is not found within me. It's found by way of the Spirit. Come on, is anybody thankful for the Holy Spirit in our lives? I'm going to ask our, our, our worship team to come back up. Um, I hate the Enneagram. <laughs> Sheesh. It's fun, and we talk about it. My household is, consists of two eights. We've been, there's some debate about this. If you've ever taken the, the Enneagram before, the DISC test and all the other different tests. Um, I preached at a conference once, and they said I could preach on anything I want. So I did a message called You Are Not Your Number. And uh, I've never been invited back. But so, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but for, for the sake of it, he, here's my problem with a lot of these tests is that the Enneagram, the DIS test, the Strengths Finder test, and any other test that you can come up with never, ever creates the space or the allowance for the Spirit of God. And so some of us are trapped into the definition that the world is putting on us. We're trapped into the definition of a test. We're trapped because we're looking for something to tell us who we are. So I just wanted to declare, you're not your number. You're not your gift set. You're not, all, you're not any one of those things. Like, cool, I'm an eight on the Enneagram, whatever. But I'm something very different by way of the Spirit of God. And it's important that I illustrate it that way because of this right here. You are not the addiction, although they've told you you are. You're not the failure. Y'all see what I'm talking about? Maybe it's not an Enneagram test that tells you that you're an eight, but maybe it's a teacher that told you you'll never amount to anything. Maybe it's a parent who abused you. Come on. In my case, I had a college professor sat down and he said, Jason, tell me your dreams. And I was in because I like to talk. So I was like, sweet, let's go. So I just started telling him my dreams. I'm going to plant a church one day. I'm going to build a church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Arguably a very difficult place to build a church. I'm in college. Um, I didn't get the best grades, even in Bible college. There's reasons for that. So he was mentoring me, and in this mentoring moment, I kid you not, these are the words that came out of his mouth, sitting across from me at coffee. I'll never forget it. He says, Jason, I just want to I just want to help you with something. Those are those are great dreams. But you are not smart enough to sing your pastor in church. And I walked away from that moment. But I want you to hear this. How I walked away from that moment is maybe different than some of you. Some people walk away from that moment defeated. I walked away from that moment with a chip on my shoulder. Different application, but the same thing. I carried, carried something. And I just want to be super open and vulnerable with you tonight. The first couple years of our church, I was building to prove somebody wrong. So I did it on my strength. Because the Holy Spirit will not use that vessel. He does not want his house to be built on pride. He does not want his house to be built on the defense of myself. And it was in a worship moment in our church, on my knees weeping, where I allowed that chip to be released. I said, God, I'm no longer going to build to spite somebody. Why? Because whatever you want to do, I'm just here for that. 
So you are not your number. You are not the thing that was declared over you. You are not the thing that that C on your college test said about you. You're not what your boss says you are. Come on, somebody. You're not what the world tells you you are. You are a new creation. I want to read this to you because I think it's applicable in this moment. In his book, Basic Christian Doctrines, J.F. Walward writes this, in our modern sophisticated world, just as in its counterpart in Corinth, and he was speaking about the Corinthian church in this segment, he says, the power of the Spirit working in the heart of man is the difference between human wisdom and divine revelation, human weakness and divine power, carnality and spirituality. Every soul that is saved is born of the Spirit. Every revival is a work of the Spirit. Every spiritual truth is taught by the Spirit, and every holy character is sanctified by the Spirit. And here's the third and last thing I want to leave you with tonight, Bold Church. Number three, we are supplied with a freedom like no other. Second Corinthians chapter three, verses seven through 18 says this. Now, if the ministry that brought death chiseled in the letters in letters on stones came with glory so that the Israelites were not able to gaze steadily at Moses' face because of its glory, which was set aside, how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? For the ministry that brought condemnation had glory. The ministry that brings righteousness overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. For what, for if what was set aside was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. Since then, we have such a hope. We act with great boldness. Come on, bold church. We act with great boldness. We are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from gazing steadily until the end of the glory of what was being set aside, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it's set aside only in Christ. Yet still today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord. Lord, who is the Spirit. I want to declare to you tonight and let you know tonight that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. There is not a freedom that you will find anywhere else. It is only in Christ. He sets us free from all bondage, from all bad thinking, from all the things that hinder us and hold us back. And that, my friends, is who I want to introduce you tonight. Jesus. And the promised spirit that he said he would give us. So what I want to do tonight is I just want to invite you to stand to your feet before we close tonight, before your pastor comes back up here. I'm going to ask you, invite you, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes in this moment. And I want to lead us in a prayer tonight. It's a simple prayer. It's nothing fancy in these words, but rather the heart from which these words come. And it's the words, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And maybe tonight you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never said yes to him working in you. You've never said yes to following him. 
And I want to give you the opportunity to do so. So we're going to pray a prayer all together with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around right now. I want you to just repeat this, all of us. Many of us have prayed this prayer in this building today, but maybe there's just one person in here who's yet to say yes to Jesus. And I want to give you that opportunity to do so. So come on as loud as we can so we don't leave anybody out. Would you repeat this after me? Everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. I'm sorry for doing life my way. And I'm declaring today that I am following your way. I am following your lead from this day forward in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time tonight and you're saying yes to Jesus, come on, would you just shoot your hand up right now? I just wanna know that you're with us tonight. Awesome, right over here, right over back here. Come on, anybody else today that would say, that's me, I wanna say yes to Jesus. I wanna be, I wanna be filled with his, his power and his presence. Awesome, a couple hands going up, so great. Come on, can we lift our head, open our eyes? Can we just celebrate all those people saying yes to Jesus tonight? Come on, somebody. It's so great. We love you guys. I hope you're encouraged tonight, Bold Church. Keep on going. And thank you so much for the honor and the privilege of being able to be here with you tonight. We love you so much. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.